0: Okay, so I guess let's all be inspired. All right, so, you know, when it comes to, uh, to the Yant of Shua's, when it comes to the Yant of Shuas, there's, there's a lot of uh, confusion, misconception, exactly what the Yant of Shua's is really about. You know, obviously there's a major, it goes without saying, a major element of Shuas is the fact that we receive the Torah on Harsinai, on the Yant of Shuas. But the, but the truth is, that's not what it says in Chumash. When it describes Yontav and Shavuos, it doesn't make any mention of the fact that it happens to be the sixth of Sivan, which is, the, which is the day the Torah was given. It doesn't say that. It's part of our tradition. We know it. In the davening of Shavuos, we, we say that it's the day of Matan Torah Seinu, the day of the giving of the Torah, certainly. And the halachas of Yontav sort of reflect the, the fact that the Torah was given on Shavuos. So, for example, like um, the laning that we do on Shavuos morning, is that serves So obviously that's appropriate because it's the day of the giving of the Torah. But that's not really what it says in Chumash at all. In Chumash, the the, the, the Shavuos is framed uh, really as a completion of Yitzys Mitzrayim. That's really how Shavuos is framed. It says in Pesach, you got out of Mitzrayim Pesach, so you celebrate the Exodus, you, you celebrate redemption, and then you count seven weeks. And now that it's been seven weeks. Now, since you've been traveling from Egypt, so now like Mitzrayim is uh, mamish in the rearview mirror. So now finally, after seven full weeks of really sort of absorbing freedom, now you can celebrate it in full with the Yontav of Shavuos. So it's interesting. So you have these like sort of two dynamics of what Shavuos is. Again, on the one hand, that's certainly an element of, of Kabbalah Satar is a certainly a major part of it. But on the other hand, it's really a completion of the Yontif of Pesach. And so from that vantage point, from that vantage point of thinking of Shvuas as Chumash frames it, which is a completion of Yitzis Mitzrayim, so to a certain degree, the way we can really define the Yontif of Shvuas more succinctly would be a Yontif about redemption, just as Pesach, but whereas Pesach is a Yontif that's really celebrating the beginnings of redemption, Shavuos is the yanta that's celebrating the completion of redemption. That's really what Shavuos is. And the giving of the Torah, which also happens to be on Shavuos, and it's not a coincidence, obviously, has to be seen from that framework, that we're not just celebrating the fact that we were given the Torah. That's not really what the celebration is, is that the giving of the Torah itself also has to be seen as also a, an expression of our absolute freedom from its right. So in other words, the essence of Shavuos really is not an independent holiday celebrating Matan Torah. It's not. Again, it's a yontif that's celebrating the completion, a complete redemption. That's what the yontif of Shavuos is. And the fact that we were given the Torah on Shavuos is a way of framing the giving of the Torah. That the giving of the Torah has to then be seen not as an independent experience, but also rather as a an experience which is, which is concretizing, which is uh, like bringing, bringing home to us what it means, a full, complete redemption. And so this is really what Shavuos is about. And I, again, I, you know, this might be uh, different than how most people think about Shavuos and maybe even the way that we've been raised thinking about Shavuos is just as a day celebrating Harsinah. It's not. It's not. It's a day celebrating the completion of Yitzchias Mitzrayim, and what that means on a much larger scale, rede- complete redemption in general, and Har Sinai expresses that as well. So this is what we have to more, you know, sort of hone in on. What does that mean, a complete redemption? What is, you know, what, and, and again, whenever we think of the redemption process from Mitzrayim, the beginning being Pesach and the completion being Shavuos, that's always... Reflective and telling us something about the future redemption. Pesach would correspond to the beginning of us getting out of this skullus, and Shavuos would correspond to done deal, full ultimate gula Shlema, you know. That's what Shavuos would mean. So let's begin to sort of frame that, because again, that's what Shavuos is celebrating. Shavuos is celebrating the ability of the Jewish people and the Jewish person, man, woman, and child to experience a full redemption that's what shavuos is so what does that look like a full redemption not a little bit of redemption not there's no Egyptians chasing you or you know it's a pretty good day what does a full redemption look like what does life look like when it's in full redemption mode that's what shavuos is and that's what we're celebrating on shavuos and the moment in history where we receive the torah that was a that was a that was a window into that world that's called full redemption and so we have to identify that. Again, what does the world look like when it's in full redemption, you know, mode? That's what Shuas is. So what is that? Okay. So it's like this. When it comes to the Yantif of Shuas, so, uh, you know, it's always good to look for a theme, to look for certain, you know, themes that you find in a yantif. It's, it's easier to identify the nature of the yantif when you find commonality. But almost always, it always works out like this That when you investigate and you try to look for themes You always see like conflicting themes So one of the major themes of Shavuos And again This is going to help get us closer To defining what does it mean A full redemption, what does it look like And what's our ability to find that in our own lives To connect to Shavuos properly So one of the themes that you'll find by Shavuos And by Torah in general Is life That it gives life you know, everyone knows that by Harsina, so Harsina, we might not know exactly. I mean, some people, you know, you know uh, uh, conjecture where the actual mountain of Harsini is or was. But uh, we don't really know exactly where it was. But we do know it was a mountain, right? And, and what is a mountain? In the, especially in the Sinai Desert, you know, it's rock. That's pretty much what it is, dead, dead rock. But we know that one of the miracles of Kabbalah Sator of Harsini was that what? That it sprouted flowers and trees, it blossomed, it came to life. That's why one of the customs. Not everyone does this, but there are customs that in a shul or a base medrash and so on, on Shavuos you bring flowers or trees right into the shul. There's such a thing. Why? Because on Har it sprouted with life. See so what's that? You know, just to make it nicer. Why did Hashem do that? Hashem doesn't, doesn't do miracles just for the for kicks. You know, any miracle that takes place, you know, is. There's, it is trying to say something, it's trying to express something. So this miracle of the mountain of Sinai blossoming is reflective of one of the themes of Shavuos, which is life. The Torah that, the, that Hashem gave us, how do we describe Torah and Judaism in general? It's life itself. Judaism is not a religion. You know, Once Judaism becomes a religion, then there's all sorts of other religions that it's conflicting with, you know? And then there's your life that it's conflicting with sometimes. Judaism is not a religion. Judaism is life. Judaism is life. It's, a, it's an organic entity. It's something that's alive. It's breathing. It's something that needs, needs involvement. It's something that's alive. So Yiddishkeit's alive. Yiddishkeit's alive. So that's what, that's what Shavuza says. That's why, by the way, one of the customs that we have, again, it's not halacha, but it's, it is a, an important custom for men, at least to stay up all night learning, right? There's such a thing. So if you think about it, one of the reasons for that or one of the, the ways to think about that is also life. Because we know the Gemara says that, you know, when a person is asleep, it's a 60th of death, right? It's like the neshama, after 120, so, you know, the neshama completely leaves, leaves the body. So a 60th of that is when a person is asleep and the soul a little bit leaves the body. So you see, sleeping means death. So what do we do on Shavuos, which is life? You don't go to sleep, right? You stay up. So the ending of Shavuos, a major ending of Shavuos, is life, living, living. What's amazing is, is on the other hand, there's a, there's a, there seems to be a theme of Shavuos which is the opposite of being alive. When Har Sinai, when it was happening, when the Torah was, was being given, it was thunder and lightning, you know, crazy special effects. So there's a Medrash. The Medrash says that the nations of the world went to none other than Bilam. Bilam was the prophet of the nations of the world. He was the one that uh, they would go to for, you know, any, any uh, not just philosophical questions, but like uh, divine questions that things were, you know, they needed explanations. So they went to and they and they said... And they said that from what's going on, I guess they were sensitive to what's going on with Harsinai, it feels that Hashem is bringing the Mabul back. It feels like the world is being destroyed. And, sa- and, and Bilam says to them, no, 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 no. Hashem, he quoted a pasach uh, in Telam, Hashem wa Mabul Yashav. It might feel like Hashem is returning the Mabul, the, the flood, right, the destruction of the world. But really, it's Hashem oiz l'amit, and Hashem is giving strength to His people. He's giving them the Torah. So this is an amazing thing, because if the ga'im were just completely like off, you know, and they just completely missed the and missed the boat, like they thought it was a mabul and it has nothing to do, they just completely misinterpreted what was going on, then first of all, why would Chazal record this story? Why is it important for us to know the mistake that the nations of the world did? And not only that, but the Pasek that Bilam quotes seems to, you know, sort of, Give room for their thinking, which is Hashem l'mabul yashiv. Like it, it looks like there's a mabu coming, it looks like there's destruction coming and death coming to the world. <coughs> but don't worry, Hashem is not doing that. <coughs> Rather, Hashem always and Hashem is giving strength. He's giving the Torah. Evidently, what 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 is clear from that medrash, from that discussion, from the guy with Bilam, is that the giving of the Torah was something that was almost a death. It was. It was an overwhelming experience that was difficult for the world to bear. For the world to bear. And so much so that the Goyim interpreted the experience as literally a mabul, a flood of destruction coming into the world. So one second, on the one hand you're telling me Tyra means life. And the Harsinah is blossoming, everything's coming to life. We're staying up all night. And yet on the other hand you're telling me that the nations interpreted the experience as mamish death coming into the world. And more than that, and they weren't completely off. Khazals say that when Hashem gave us the Ten Commandments, right? So with every single Deba, with every single command that came out, Parcha Nishmasam, their soul, the Jewish people's, their souls left them. And they had to be brought back to life. What does that, what does that mean? Why, 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 why would they die from, from, from Harsinai? I thought Harsinai is life. So evidently, there's this other aspect of Harsinai, which is death. The Gemara says... That if a person wants to truly acquire Torah to become a a true Talmud Chacham, so the Gemara has a language that Miskayemes El May Misatzmayol. a harsh. It's a harsh language that Torah does not fully become um, Miskayim. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't settle in completely by a person unless they kill themselves for it. Yiddishkeit and becoming. The person that we have to become requires mitsirus nefesh. That term mitsirus nefesh. That what does the word mean? Mesiris? It means giving up your life. So uh, it shouldn't be an extreme way, but any level of conquest and sort of uh, uh, you know covering ground in Yiddishkeit that we have to do in our lives requires some level of mitsirus nefesh. And mitsirus nefesh means self-sacrifice. So by Harsinai, there was an extreme level of Messias Nevesh, literally that every single word that came out of Hashem's mouth, their their souls left them. So we have these conflicting themes. On the one hand, you have Yiddish uh, Harsinai and so on being life, right? On the other hand, you have Harsinai, God forbid, seeming to be death. And what becomes even more strange is that that Chazal that I mentioned, that with every deed, with every utterance, right, with every command that came out of Hashem's mouth by Harsinai, their souls left them, so Chazal say that Hashem had to bring them back to life, right? How did Hashem bring them back to life? He, he, he gave us life from the beginning, so He can bring us back to life. But Chazal pinpoint. Chazal say, you know how He brought us back to life? He took a dew, like the dew that falls in the morning, a dew that Hashem had in His uh, treasure house somewhere, and He took this dew of life, the tal tchia, the dew of life, and brought it to the Jewish people, that's what brought it back to, back to life. Chazal, and Chazal say... That this tal, this do, that Hashem used to bring us back to life, is tal Torah, is the do of Torah itself. Now, what, I don't know what that means exactly, a do, that's somehow the do of Torah. But what you do see is this funny thing. The Torah killed us. Right? It was the words of Hashem that came out of his mouth, which is Torah, that made their souls leave them. And then what does Hashem do to bring the souls back? Torah. That, that was the problem. So we have this this funny thing, is where like even in that in that story of the Jewish people's souls leaving them and then being brought back to life, you, even within that you see this uh, this contradiction, this duality. Does Torah bring life, or does it take away life? To acquire Torah, to truly become a God-fearing Jew, you have to you have to kill yourself for it. Not literally Chazal, but you have to be Meiser Nefesh. But yet Kehem Chayenov of Aruchim like you know. So how does that work? Right, everyone knows the famous, you know, the famous Chazal with Rabbi Kiva, right? The Rabbi Kiva, <coughs> Rebbe Kiva was teaching Torah in public, even though it was against the rules of the Romans, and that would be that would, that would be uh, very very dangerous. And so someone said to him, you know, Rabbi Kiva, you know, your your life is in danger. So Rabbi Kiva said the famous story of a fish that's running away, that's like swimming very very quickly in the stream, right? And uh, and the fox comes to the fish and says, you know fish, like, what are you doing? Why are you in such a, Why are you so nervous? He said, because there's a fisherman there he's trying to catch me. So the fox said, okay come on dry land, then we'll be fine together the, the fisherman won't be looking for you on dry land so the, the fish said to the fox they say you're the wisest of animals you seem to be pretty dumb. If I leave the water, if I'm in the water, I might be killed I might not be killed. But once I leave the water, I'm for sure that." So Rabbi Kiva said, listen it's, it's life itself it's life itself, right? It's life itself so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to learn tire in public, that's for sure death Ironically, Rav was killed because of him teaching to her in public. So, so what's going on over here? Okay, so let's, let's, let me explain. I want to I uh, bring out a simple point. I think it's simple. In my head it's simple, we'll see. It's a simple point, and, uh, and hopefully this will frame Shavuos. It'll frame what full redemption is, and it'll give us a little bit of a window of what our Vita can be during the yant of v'voshua, for ourselves and for our families. Okay, so let's say, let me give you the following. Okay, here's the following take. Let, let's, say I, let's say I tell you a story. Or let's say someone tells you a story, right? And it's a pretty cool story. Cool story, a lot of characters, cool stuff happens, whatever. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, that's a nice story, and you get all into it. Let's say, you know, kids are like this, they get very, you know, very connected to stories. I know with my kids when I tell them Shema uh, Yisim and things like that, they go all wrapped up, they get all caught up in the story, and then invariably, you know, one of my one of my kids specifically always asks the question, like, "Is it? Did this really happen? Is this a true story?" So whether it's not whether it's true or not, you know, I usually say, "Yeah, it was a true story," because then you know, oh, it's a true story. But what were it to happen if I gave over a story, and it's like, and in the kid's eyes, like, oh, this is a true story. This actually happened. And then at the very end, I say kindlech. Never happened. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. So, when you, ha- that, and then, and then, I meaning, in other words, this was a parable, this was a muscle to convey an important message that needs to be conveyed. What happened at that moment when the story went, let's say, from a true story, quote unquote, to a muscle? So, to a certain degree, what happened is that that story died. That story died. In other words, the story. Until now, had a life of its own. had its identity. This is, there was an actual king, king and queen and prince, and yeah, whatever the mice was. It really happened. And these were real people. And they once upon a time lived, and the story actually took place, and we're just sort of uh, connecting ourselves to that experience by telling over the story. That's, why, by the way, just a little bit on the side. That's why it is a very chashrevah thing to say over stories of Tzedekim and Sidkanius, t- and to say over stories about our ancestors and so on to our children or to ourselves or to other people, because, th- because those people actually did exist, right? And, the, and these stories did happen. That's a way of, binding, of, of bonding ourselves with them. So a person can connect to Tzedekim and to connect to Tzidkanius by learning their Torah, right, and by saying over, by speaking about their, sort of their, uh, you know, what they did in their lives in terms of what this Hashem, and their stories also. That's a way of connecting to who those people were. Stories are, it's, it's alive. The person was alive, you know, whatever the story was, was a, you know, a, a king and a queen, whatever the story is, they were living people, it actually happened, we retell the story, we connect to that real experience. But the moment I say kindlech never happened, what did I just do? I just killed it. I just killed it. I brought death to that story. So if I so so if I have a story and I tell the kids and they think it's real, and then I tell them at the end never happened, that's killing the story. But if I say kindlech it never happened, but it's a mushle. it's a mushal. What does a mushal mean? It means there is a message that I want to convey to you. I say to my kids. And this message that I want to convey to you is extremely deep and profound. And you might not have the tools right now to be able to truly grasp it in its raw form. So what I need to do, I don't don't, don't tell this to them, but you understand. What I need to do is create some sort of packaging, some sort of garment, so to speak, through which this much deeper idea is able to be conveyed. So that's what a mashal is. Right, so you know uh, you want to convey over the lesson of uh, of uh, I don't know what's a good what's a classic, uh, martial like you know um, I don't even Goldlocks and the three and the three and the three bear yes. the wolf. Yes. which was what the with the wolf in the in the, the Red Riding Hood red riding I don't what, what is the nimshal of that What's the point of those two? I don't even remember Whatever it's hard to tell what these things are Let's say the I don't know the face. The, the, uh, whatever the whatever the, the message is, you want. To, oh, oh, how about this? Okay, fine. How about this? The story with the with the with the ant and the grasshopper, right? Ant and the grasshopper, right? They're preparing, you know, uh, saving food for the winter, right? So the ant is 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 not the ant and the grasshopper. Tur- tortoise and the hare. How about that? Tortoise and the hare. We're familiar with tortoise and the hare. Okay, fine. So you want to convey over the message to the kids, like slow and steady wins the race, right? You know, like if you if you if you if you have something that you want to accomplish. And you put your mind to it. Consistency is the key. You, you, you tell over that shmuzh to a kid that uh, it's beyond their kalim to, to process the, the concept by itself. So what do you do? But you want to tell them a message. It's an important lesson in life. And it's, a, and it's a very deep truth. It's a very deep truth that consistency is the most important thing and to accomplish things, it's really a matter of consistency, not just, not just bursts of energy. You, want, you need to be consistent. You need to truly... Uh, deeply attach yourself to the decisions that you make, and then those decisions have lasting effects. So you package it in a story of the tortoise and the hare. So what happens is, so you tell the kid the story, tortoise and the hare, and the kid says, is that a true story? No, it's not a true story. So killed the story. You didn't kill the story. Because then what you do is, you give it a deeper soul. You just converted the story from being just about a tortoise and a hare, which... If it was a true story, it's very, very nice. But really, what are you doing? Connecting yourself to a tortoise and a hare. But what you did do is that you killed that story. It's true. You took the soul out of it and you turned it from an actual story about a tortoise and a hare to a clothing, to a lavush, to a a vessel to contain something that was much, much deeper than what that story would have been and what that story would have contained if it was just a real story. When you, when, you, when you take a story that's real and you turn it into a muscle, on the one hand, you're killing it. But on the other hand, you're, you're giving it a much deeper dimension and a much deeper soul to it. You're redefining what it is. Instead of it being just something that's, that's alive, you're giving it a much broader mission and a much deeper significance, and you're giving it something that is everlasting. Because that message, so to speak, of a tortoise and the hare, that will outlive the actual tortoise and hare if it was a true story. Like the actual tortoise and hare, that you're, if it was a true story that you're talking about, okay. So that tortoise, maybe tortoises live a long time, but eventually, you know, I may have asked him, it's finished, right? And uh, it doesn't have as much weight to it. And it's not as universal. And it's not as... You know, there's only uh, it doesn't it doesn't encompass more than just a tortoise and a hare. But when that story of tortoise and the hare is turned into a mushel to convey a message of consistency and attachment to the decisions that you make, then that that carries that, that carries over to so many areas of life, and that grows with the child, and the child develops and grows and becomes someone that is consistent and is attached to the decisions that they make. And that's all. Basically, that story—the tortoise and the hare—expanding itself as the kid grows. In order to, in order to convert that story into a much deeper, a much deeper, uh, 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 to a much deeper story, you have to kill it. You have to kill it from its initial immature stage of just being a tortoise in the hare story into a mushal. There's a fantastic Pasik in Chumash talking about Chumash, and it says. The Torah refers to itself as Mashal HaKadmai'ni the mushal of the original one. God is called the Kadmaini, the one that came before the world. See, for little kids, it might be difficult to grasp the idea of being consistent and the hulu without a tortoise in the hair story. And as adults we're thinking we don't we don't need such a Mashal because we can understand the concept of 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 consistency without a story of a tortoise in the hair. But the greatest human being of all is, is a child in terms of trying to grasp God. God comes before the world. And everything that we, our entire, you know, sphere of, of abilities to grasp things is from the world. But God comes before the world. So you know what God did? God gave us Mashal HaKadmai. God gave us a Torah. And what is a Torah? Parables. What do you mean parables? It doesn't mean that things didn't happen. Of course they happened. But the real ultimate definition of Torah and the real ultimate definition of life itself and this is what happened by Shavuos and this is what it means a full redemption. What happened on Shavuos and what happens by a full redemption is that everything in our lives dies and turns into a muscle. In other words, a little bit of redemption means it's a good day. You don't have any Egyptians chasing you. It's It's very nice. No Egyptians. But you know what a full gula means? A full gula means that everything you experience is not only like there's no Egyptians. A full gula means that everything you experience in life, you see it as a mashal, as a parable, as a way through which Hashem Himself is communicating something and interacting with you. Instead of it being just a tortoise and a hare, it's now converted into a way through which the parent is conveying a much deeper truth to the child through that tortoise in the hair. That's what life is from the perspective of Gula Shlema. Gula Shlema, full redemption, means going through life and realizing everything is a muscle that is being used by our Father in Heaven to convey to us deep truth that otherwise we couldn't hear. So it's not just a matter of you go through life, and there's no Egyptians. That's qavadik. But that's still not a full redemption. Because a full redemption, a beginning, you see, in other words, let's put it this way. Re- exile means that not only is God not here, and not only is God not talking to us, we also have Egyptians. That's exile. So a beginning of redemption, which is Pesach, is no more Egyptians. So it's kavodic. no more Egyptians, now we can actually do the way we're supposed to live, do what we're supposed to do, with but that's not a full redemption. A full redemption is, not only is there no Egyptians, but there's no tortoise in the hair, there's no chairs, there's no table, there's no oxygen molecules. It's all taken away. But not taken away in a bad way. It's all being reconverted as a muscle that Hashem is using to convey something to you that's much deeper than the table was anyway. And much deeper than the oxygen molecules were in the beginning. Everything is being repackaged as a muscle for Hashem. So he asked the question, on Shavuos, it seems that there's two different things. Things are coming to life, and things are being destroyed. Which one is it? The answer is, it's both. What's being destroyed is, everything existing and being seen as an independent physical thing that just stands on its own, that has to be destroyed. But, what's, but, but that's not destruction to nothing. They're being reconstituted and being reorganized and reformatted as a communication process, as a tool through which the Rabbani Shalom is using to communicate something to you, and to interact with your life. So it's being turned into a story that was that was thought of as a true story, and it's now being turned into a mashal. So that doesn't take away from the significance of the story, it deepens the significance of the story. Because until now the story was just a tortoise in the hair. Now it's a way of the parent conveying a deep truth to the child and bonding with the child through that story. That's a much deeper experience for this for the child, and the story itself takes on a deeper significance. As I said, once this tortoise in the hair is turned into a muscle, now it's universal. Now it's always true, and it and it could be and it, and it grows with the child. If if the physical life that we have is just physical life then it's very, very nice. And it's great if there's no Egyptians chasing you. But physical life by itself is, is limited in its scope. But if physical life is turned into what? As a vehicle through which Hashem Himself, the Kadmani, the one that comes before the world is communicating, interacting with you. It's through those gloves that's called physical life. It's through that muscle that's called everything you experience in the world. That everything you experience in the world actually was at the same time, at that moment, just killed, but brought back to life in a much greater way. That's what happens on Shavuos. The part of the, the, the ability of the Jewish soul to be able to go through physical life and always to be sensitive enough to be able to recognize that everything I go through, good and bad, up and down, sunshine to cloudy weather, everything is Hashem behind the scenes interacting with me through those experiences and being with me in those experiences. That's called Gula That's called a full redemption. A little bit of redemption means it's a good day. Because There's no, there's no midstream. there's no Egyptians, there's something bad in the day. But the day is still just a day. A full redemption is that the day isn't a day either. The day is also just a means of communication between, between God and myself. That's Geul HaShlema. When the Rambam, for example, all the way at the end of his famous Sefer Mishnah Torah, which is the book of Halacha, so all the way at the end, the last line of the Rambam talks about Mashiach, and he describes what the world is going to be like with the coming of Mashiach, and he says the following words. It's a pasuk Umala Artz Hashem. The world will be full of God's knowledge, of the knowledge of Hashem and His presence. Like water fills the ocean bed, right? The the ocean floor is full of water. That's how the world is going to be full of God's presence. Now that's an amazing description. Because the ocean floor, you don't think of the ocean floor as being something on its own. Like all the ocean floor is, is a receptacle for the ocean. Like, even in Hebrew, the word. What's the word in Hebrew for the ocean floor? What's the, what's the word in Hebrew for the ocean? Yam. What's the word in Hebrew for the ocean floor? Yam. There is no other word for the ocean floor. The ocean floor is nothing but a vessel for the ocean. Umol ha'aretz de'ez Hashem. All of life will be full of God's presence. Kemayim le'yam Like the water that fills the ocean floor. The, 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 the What's the. Why is that? Why is that being compared to the end of time? Is because the end of time is being described in such a way where everything that we that we experience is not going to be taken away, but it's going to be reoriented as a marshal, as an ocean floor, as a vessel for for God's presence, and then everything moves from being an independent entity, which it was until that point, to being emptied out of its independence, which might initially feel and seem like it's being killed. But it's, it's being emptied out of its independence to be converted as a message, as a tool through which the of himself is communicating to us, and then the tool itself is now universal and it's uplifted and it's amazing. That's a that's an upgrade for the thing. So it's both it's both its own demise in terms of it being something just static, and is to being turned into something that's much much greater, much more deeper be turned into a muscle as a key, as a tool for the Rabbanu That's what Shavuot says. And the whole Yontev of Shavuot is celebrating the, this, this aspect, the Jewish soul's ability to be able to navigate through life with this sensibility of, of, of at least wanting and hoping to see the world as a tool that the Rabbanu is using to communicate to us. That's what Shavuot says. That's what shuas is, and again, you know, last night I, I gave a Zoom thing to, uh, it's like Coach Menachem, I think it's like a, it's a, it's a big thing out there. So, and, and they, they asked me to come on to talk about the yontav of shuas and how the yontav of shuas, you know, is something that maybe, maybe uh, men feel more connected to, and even within men, only some men that are more connected to learning, but uh, but everyone has to keep shuas. Like, what's the message? And I said, I, I, I'll tell you the same thing I said to them. I, I, it's not the same shmooze, but, but I said, this, this line I said is, I'm not in the chizik business. I'm not here to give chizik to people. I'm here to try to say the truth, at least to the best of my ability, to the best of my knowledge. It happens to be that, as far as my perspective, is that when you go deep enough into the truth, it gives strength, it gives chizik. But it's not about the chizik. I said that to think of shvues superficially, then yeah, Shavuos might feel like a Yontif that doesn't have much to offer outside of one subgroup of the Jewish people. You know, Nabach. But that's only because you're looking at Shavuos superficially. But when you go deeper into it, then you realize that it's, it's all-encompassing. Every single thing is Shavuos, and every single moment of life has to be Shavuos. And that's exactly what we're talking about today, which is the Yontif of Shavuos. Again, this is to pinpoint it. The Yontif of Shavuos is this the Nekudah of, of a full redemption. And this is the relationship of what Shavuos has with the giving of the Torah, with Har Sinai. Because the moment of Har Sinai was the moment where we all collectively, man, woman, and child, saw, at least for a moment, what Geul HaShleimah looks like. Because every single thing, everyone knows, and when Hashem said, I am Hashem, your God, so Chazal say, no birds chirped, right? The wind didn't, you know, bushes didn't rustle in the wind. Everything was quiet. And Chazal even say that it didn't make any echoes. Hashem's voice is powerful as well. It didn't make any echoes. You know why it didn't make any echoes? Another miracle that Hashem could, like, why? Why, why no echoes? What's, what's so bad about an echo? How does an echo happen? So I say something, that's, that's a voice, and then there's a wall. And the wall is not my voice. So when my voice hits the wall, two things that are not the same hit each other, My voice bounces back. That's an echo, yeah? When Hashem said, I am Hashem, your God, everything was shown to be Hashem saying, I am Hashem, your God, you understand? Everything was turned into packaging for that. There was no conflict between Hashem's voice and the wall. Because the wall was shown as nothing more than a way of expressing, I am Hashem, your God also. Everything in life was converted into a muscle, into a tool that Hashem is using to convey the words, I am Hashem, your God. So of course there's no echo because there's nothing but the voice. That moment of Har Sinai was a moment where we all collectively saw what it's going to be like to have a gula shleima. Then obviously you know the lights go off and we're back into the world and we take this world very seriously. But at least that moment of Har Sinai showed us of what the future has for us, like what's going to be with gula shleima, and that's what we're celebrating. It's not the we're not celebrating again the giving of turn in terms of obligations and in terms of what we have to do. And we're not celebrating specifically the myths of learning, Tyra. That's not what it is. The Yom of Shavuos is celebrating the revelation that took place at Harsinai, which is a revelation that everything in the world is a means of communicating the one truth, which is, I am Hashem, your God. That's what Shavuos is. Now we have many customs on Shavuos, and all the different things that we do on Shavuos, men for there their Yonim, and women for there their inyanim, are there, to sharpen those, that to sharpen those senses of the soul, to be able to hear and I in all things. That's what we're doing on Shavuos by a person keeping yontif properly, which means having simchas yontif. Obviously, means not doing malacha, not doing work on yontif, anything that you're not allowed to do. <coughs> it means having simcha yontif, having suhasin yontif, facilitating your husbands to learn and your children to learn don't let them sleep get them, you know, get them to stay up all night one night a week one night of the year they can push themselves it's okay and you know, and they'll be able to sleep a little bit the next day and if you need them to help with the kids they don't have to sleep as much also it's fine they should not use it as an excuse for two days I'm shot it's okay it's okay one night is okay they can handle it so they do that you do your avida and then all together the, 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 the family unit is able to, is, is doing the, the, the exercises needed in order for our Nishamas to be able to hear and all things. That's what it is. We wouldn't be able to figure out on our own what things we should do to allow us to experience a full redemption. We don't know. So Hashem has to show to us and Hashem has to reveal to us what we do. So Hashem says, okay, so men have their and they do. Women have their own other they do, and that's because men's neshamas require a certain type of sharpening of skills. Women's neshamas need another type of sharpening of their skills. That's it. It's not a celebrate. It's not celebrating specifically learning per se. It's celebrating the definition of what Torah is. Tire means teaching. Torah means communication, and everything in the world is tire. Everything in the world is communication. Everything. Everything in the world is a muscle that the Kadmai Nishal the one that comes before the world, is using to communicate something to us. That's what Shua says. Practically speaking, I'll just, maybe I'll end with this, maybe a quick story, okay? If anyone has to leave, it's okay, but just a quick story. So, uh, practically speaking, everyone has, in their own lives, have to figure out what they do, but... (sighs) for a person again just to think of Yontav as just another day that you go through and you make your meals and you go on it's like it's a chaval it's a chaval the whole of yeshuas is take it take take a moment when you you know whatever it is that you're going through on yeshuas try to be conscious to whatever degree possible throughout the throughout the couple days that whatever you're experiencing is hashem hashem is is, is 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 talking to you through that so you go outside and uh you know, and it's blue skies, let's say. Don't think of it as, okay, it's blue skies, it's blue skies for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, not, it's not for me. That's not true. The Rabbani Shalom is sending you blue skies. And if it's cloudy and it's, and it's rainy, it's also fine. Hashem is sending you Shefa. He's sending you rain and bracha and good things. And whatever happens in the world, you get a mosquito bite. So Hashem sent you a mosquito bite. Why would He send you a mosquito bite? I don't know. But just knowing and just thinking that everything in in life is is coming from God because he's because like you're on His radar, and He cares enough about you to think of a muscle, Because right? that's also part of it. Like when you're when you're saying over the tortoise and the hare to your kids, like that takes energy. You know, so you're trying to think like I have this idea they want to convey because I love because I love them, but I know that they can't handle it in its raw form, so I got gotta come up with a package. That's like there, there's effort in that. So Hashem wants to communicate, Hashem wants to interact with us. But Hashem is, you know, He's infinite, and we're little, you know, specks of dust. So how does Hashem interact with us? So Hashem has to come up with all sorts of complicated ways to package Himself. And sometimes it's with a blue sky, sometimes it's with this type of weather, sometimes it's this type of experience, sometimes it's with a mosquito or whatever. All these different things. You imagine, Realize to yourself that even if I don't know what exactly the message is per se, but the very fact that the Infinite One Himself is so interested in communicating to me, that's, a, that, that's enough to be b'simcha. That's the avaid of shuas. That's the avaid of shuas. That's really what it's about. That everything is just a marshal to Everything is, is is Hashem conveying big ideas to us in ways that we even ourselves might not fully process until uh, until uh, how many years, you know, you never know. But to realize that that itself is is really what Simchas Yontav is about. All right, so let me tell you, Ma'isa. Maybe I said this before. I, it's, it's the most Shavuot story I know. So, you know, it's one of those things that... Okay, but very, very quickly. The story goes that uh, the Rebbe Melech and Rebbe Zusha were traveling... Right on time. So Rebbe Melech and Rebbe Zusha were traveling uh, to... Uh, they were going to their Rebbe, the Mizritch HaMaget, for the Yom of Shavuot. Okay? So they're traveling. And they're, they're, it's not just them. There's a whole, uh, you know, a whole group of Yidden that are traveling to Mezerich. It happens to be that on the way... Razusha Re- turns to his brother Ramelech and he says, we have to pull off to the side of the road. So, okay. so he goes to the side of the road, Rav like, goes off on his own for a little bit, meanwhile everyone else is going ahead and they're left by themselves, and Razusha turns to Ramelech he says, Ramelech, I was just given a gift from heaven, I have the power of giving a bracha right now. Anyone that I give a bracha to, it'll be, it'll be fulfilled. So Ramelech says, okay, let's find the Yid. <laughs> Problem is, by the time uh, they get back to the road, after all of this there's no Yid anymore. So Zusha says it can't be, I was given such a gift, it can't be that there's no one to bless. What type of craziness I've given the gift of blessing and there's no one to bless. So we have to go quickly. So they try to run ahead. And everyone's far ahead. Like there's no yid. And until finally, after about half hour, Zusha says, it's gone. I just I feel that it's gone. So they're old Sabrach, like they had an opportunity. Okay. Now meanwhile, it's getting it's actually also getting late and they're stuck on the road by themselves. <coughs> so it gets a little bit later the sun is going down they find a little bit of a hotel somewhere so they knock on the door okay can we have a room it's this elderly couple you know middle aged couple I should say and they're uh, Jewish couple they're taking care of this hotel Nam nowhere but they see the two tzaddikim Ramelech Ruzusha it's unbelievable of course you'll get the best room which was like probably not much of a, a room in, in there but fine you get the best room fine this is like a, you know like sort of the night before Erev Yontif. and so the next morning which is Erev Yontif it's Ramelech Ruzusha about to leave and so they say goodbye to, you know, they pay, and they say goodbye to the, you know, to the owners. And, uh, and, and they notice that there's, like, a, a sadness in their eyes. So they say, what's wrong? So they say, listen, you know, you go, you're going to the Mezorish with all the viyidin. We're stuck here by ourselves. And Nebuch, we don't have any, any children either. We're mamish here by ourselves. And it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit lonely. So Reb turns to Zusha and he says, Zusha, so don't get any ideas. And Zusha says to Melech, he says, listen, Melech, you go to the Rebbe, I'm staying here for Yontif." Melech says, listen, Zusha, the Rebbe's waiting for us, he's expecting us, what, what, you have no minion here, nothing, I'm not leaving, I'm staying here for Yontif. Okay. So you're not going to convince him otherwise. But he says, but, but, but you have to go, the Rebbe's expecting us, you have to go and represent. Fine. So Melech goes to Mezerich, and, uh, and this is the story, the story goes like this, comes, comes Friday, comes uh, Yontif night, so Rebzusha in the hotel goes to the owner and he says, No, night of Yontif, let's go daven." Davin. He's like, I don't know how to daven. I never I never learned how to daven." So Rav Zusha says, Don't no worry, I'll teach you. And he starts going with them. Shema, Shmanasra, Imamish word by word. Meanwhile, a Mezerich, comes the night of Davening. The Chaz is about to get up to start davening for the Yamed. The Magad himself comes and stops the chaz and He says, I'm davening for the yom. And this davening in Mezrich, that Yontif night was something that never had, never never liked such a thing. Okay, later on that night, so it's by the Suda. So Razusha' is sitting with the with a couple, and he's like, "No, it's Yontif. Have to sing a nigun. It's Yontif." She's so like, "We don't know any songs." Ruzush so like, don't worry, I'll teach you. And he teaches them like you know, you know, Am Yisrael Chai. I don't know something like a, a simple simple Jewish song. Meanwhile, in Mezrich comes the Suda. And everyone's singing and doing the regular, you know, they already have establishment hugging of what they would sing on Yantif. Maghreb Mezrach silences everyone. He says, I'm going to I'm going to teach you a nigga that just came to me from heaven. And it's an unbelievable nigga. And everyone's mamish on cloud nine. Later on that night, back in the hotel, Rab Zusha says, No, night. He turns to the, to the, to the, to the guy, to the Baalaba. Baal, he says, No, night. You have to learn. You have to learn. He says, I don't know anything. I don't want to learn. He says, Don't worry. I'll teach you. Aleph base. And the whole night, they just learn Aleph base together. Meanwhile, in Mezir, the Maghreb Mesvich turns to the base I was learning their own things. Tonight, we're all learning together the secrets of the Aleph base. The whole night, the secrets and secrets of Aleph, Bays, Bays, Gimel, Dal, all the secrets of the universe contained in the Aleph base. And it goes on like this. Meanwhile, after Yantav is over, the, the Maghreb Mesvich turns to her mail. He says, You go get your brother from that hotel. He's controlling, the, I, I, I had my own things to do, my own things to say, and he's, uh, he's pulling the shots. He's dictating what I'm supposed to be doing over here. I need him to come. So no, Sir Melech travels to the hotel and he says, Zusha, the Rebbe is calling for you, you have to go. So Zusha says, listen, with all due respect, go back to the Rebbe and tell him, I'm not leaving until he guarantees that this couple has a child. Fine, Sir Melch travels back to Mezrich. Meanwhile, while the, while the Rebbe Melech is going back to Mezrich, that old feeling of, of brachis comes back to Zusha. And now he has the opportunity. He goes to the couple, he blesses them with a the child, and he says, In a year from now, you're gonna have a son, and you shouldn't have David, because the Shuas is the yardset of David Ramelech, and you should have a son. Meanwhile, Ramelech goes back to Mesrich and he's about to go into the Reb and say what Rav demanded that he should give a brach to this couple. And the Maggot says, Melech, Zusha took care of it already. That's the mice. That's what life is. We're down here doing our little things, saying Aleph pays. Singing a song here, having a Sudhis Siyantif, It's all mashalim, it's all a mushal for such bigger things that are happening in heaven. And we're pulling the strings. We do an aleph down here, it's the aleph in heaven that's happening. We do a bays down here, the bays in heaven that's happening. That's what Shavuot says. That's what Shavuot says. Hashem each and every one of us, that we should know how much power we wield. We should know how much, how, how much focus the Rabbanah has towards us and everything in our how meaning, how, how deep they are. And just like Rabzusha, he didn't realize at the time that he's pulling the strings in Mezerich, but he was. That's exactly what we're doing as well. Hashem shall bless you that you and your families We shall be given a good, hefty portion of Torah and this year. And we should be all together to continue growing and continue learning the called Sadiq Amen.